number 464. 464. I will praise him. I'll stand. Number five. Oh, 
Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Brandon Clark, if you would open us in prayer, please. Amen. Please do be seated. All right. I didn't print enough uh, for everybody, but if anybody would like the notes to go back and study tonight or in the future, uh, I'll be glad to give them to you. We're going to be looking at Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. And I will tell you this, it was a gorgeous day today, wasn't it? Nice to look at God's beauty of his creation and a beautiful temperate day, a sunshiny day, and so it was just a beautiful day. But Ezekiel chapter 37, we kind of looked at this Sunday night a little bit. And Sunday night we, we looked at chapter 36 about uh, some of the things that are going on even in our world today. God's working in the nation of Israel. And, uh, and so today I want to go into this just because I think it's timely. I think it will be good for us to look at this. And, uh, and so I want to preach on the valley tonight. I want to preach on the valley. And in Ezekiel chapter 37, and before I get started, brother, could you hit the, you already did. Never mind, you already did. <laughs> Somebody already got the fans. I didn't do it. Anyhow, I started sweating. I said, it's time to turn on the fan. Anyhow. Uh, in chapter 37 is the Valley of the Dry Bones, okay? And if you will, we touched on it Sunday night, but it's God telling about how he's going to regather the nation of Israel. And we know that it's all part of his end time planning for that nation. And so we're going to take and we're going to look at that a little bit deeper here tonight as we take and we get into chapter 37. And the Bible says in verse 1, the Bible says, The hand of the Lord was upon me. And carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which is full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. And he said unto me, Prophesy uh, upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, By the way, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the... Word of God, we, we don't lose that in a lot of this stuff. I mean, when it says something, see if it connects with something else, okay? Verse 5, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord uh, God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinew upon you, and will bring, upon, uh, bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Ye shall know that I am the Lord. Get it? What's the purpose of all this? Ye shall know... That I am the Lord. You see, God has a purpose in everything he does, even putting people through what we would call tribulation, okay, trials, difficulties. And the Bible says, uh, verse 7, he says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Okay, so if you will, you see the, the body came together, but there was no life. Okay, 
The Bible says, Then said he unto me, Prophesy upon the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing your praises. We thank you for the, the thoughts of heaven. Lord, we just uh, pray that uh, we look for that great uh, union and reunion day. And Father, we pray for those who are apart from us. You know every need, body, soul, and spirit. I pray that you'd meet them according to your perfect will for your glory. But Father, help us to understand your word. Father, help us, uh, if you will, not to be proud of our knowledge, but Father, humbled by it. And maybe, if you will, uh, motivated to get out and do uh, 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 serve you as we look for your soon coming. Father, we do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for your will and for your glory. And we ask this all now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You have your place here. If you have two little thingies to hold your place there, could you go to the book of uh, Joel? Book of Joel. Just a few pages over, but kind of a small book. Might take a little bit. go and uh, this book here is uh, obviously uh, we looked at it Sunday night we're going to look at it again today we're going to be in chapter 3 though tonight chapter 3 and if we could I'd, I'd want to read the entire chapter but here's what I want you to do I want you to go home and read the entire chapter okay and because if I read the entire chapter we're going to just spend all our time reading Okay, and so we're going to take and hit some of these things, but Joel chapter 3 is going to be very important for us. Now, one of the things that uh, we need to be careful about uh, is seeing too much in a prophetic scripture. And what I mean by that is this, you know, we're watching the news, and it would be real easy to say, this is this, is this is that, and this is the other thing. And I have no intention of doing that here tonight. I'm just saying, though, but the things that are happening ought to wake us up, it ought to perk us up, okay? So we do need to be careful. Uh, I know that even when I first got saved, there was a, a certain preacher, you might know him, I'm not going to name him, but he was famous for going around the country naming dates. You know, he was a Baptist preacher, an independent Baptist preacher saying, Jesus is coming this day, and well, please be careful about that. <laughs> We're not trying to do any of that here tonight. You know, part of the problem is the issue of dual fulfillment. Because there is a near fulfillment. A lot of the scripture we're reading has been fulfilled in some way, okay? But God, quite often, when he gives prophecy, he has a, a near fulfillment and a far fulfillment. We're looking more at the far fulfillment, okay? And so you've got to be careful about that. You've got to be careful about the incomplete nature of types. There is no perfect type. Uh, when I talk about types, Noah is a type. Noah in the ark is a type of Jesus, but please take it the right way. It's not a perfect type. There's some aspects about it. Don't make too much of it, okay? But some aspects of it, 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 it helps us to understand who Jesus is and what he's done and the nature of salvation. I mean, if you understood the ark, you'd understand salvation, wouldn't you? And, and so, if you will, but the, the, the types are always kind of incomplete. And the text that we're going to be looking at, in our understanding, are going to be incomplete. And then let's just be kind of honest with ourselves. But we have a real ignorance of history and geography, any history buffs in here? Your history buff? What kind of history do you know? Yeah, very good. Can can you tell me about the Assyrian Empire? I don't know that old. Good answer. I did that on purpose. Is uh, and by not picking on him, you know he answered the right way. I don't know. 
And can I just tell you this? There's a lot more that we don't know than we do know. And, and so it's sad but true, but we really don't know. I, I was watching Jeopardy the other day. I fancy myself I would like to go on Jeopardy sometimes. I promise you this, I would get destroyed. <laughs> but it would be nice. But anyhow, um, uh, they asked a Bible question. They literally asked a question about Moses. And it was, it was something simple. I can't remember the question. But all three players just stood there and had no idea literally who Moses was in the life of Moses. And I thought, how sad. You know, these people are super geniuses because it was a tournament of champions. These guys are super geniuses, and, and they don't know anything about the Bible. Okay, well, here's the thing. We don't know enough history sometimes to understand the Bible. We don't know enough geography sometimes, and we're going to be looking at that because I titled this message The Valley. It's, it's a geographic message in, in many ways, okay? And so, but we can look through a glass darkly. That's what the Apostle Paul said, didn't he? When he was talking about the Bible, he says, listen, we know in part and we prophesy in part, meaning we have some, we have some written scripture and we're still writing some of it. And, but he says, he says, he says, now we look through a glass, glass darkly, okay? Meaning that we can't really see everything, but boy, it sure is interesting to look through the glass, okay? And so he's saying, someday we're going to see it face to face. Someday we're going to be living it. But I will tell you this, that, that that principle applies, that just because we don't know everything doesn't mean that we can't get some benefit out of it, okay? And so I, I want us to get some benefit out of this. And so the first thing that we saw is, is Ezekiel uh, chapter 37. We read verses 1 through 14, and it talks about the valley of the dry bones. In verses 3 through 8, it talks about how the Israel is going to be regathered. And what that means is they're going to be regathered as a nation, Okay. But they're not going to be alive, meaning what? There's no spirit in them. When did you receive the Holy Spirit? Anybody know? Upon salvation. Correct. And so the instant you got saved, you received the Holy Spirit. And you went from being dead in your trespasses and sins to having a living soul. You all understand that? And so the instant that you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Spirit came in, if you will. He breathed His Spirit into you, and you became a living soul. Amen? Well, that's not taking place here for Israel. Are they back in the land? Yeah. Is God doing miracles for them? Yeah. Are they believers as a nation? No. I mean, certainly not. They're certainly not. Matter of fact, I, I think I've preached this before. I believe over half, and I think it's way over half, to be honest with you, I think it's a huge number of, of Jews are actually atheists today. Now, I've got to be honest with you. How could you live in the land of Israel with all that going on and be an atheist? I just don't get it. They're, they're going back because of blood, not because of birthright, if you will, and, and so if you will. Uh, so they're being regathered as a nation. We talked about those dry bones coming together, the sinews and, and, and the bones and, and the flesh and everything coming together, but there was no breath in them. There was no spirit in them, according to verse 8. They are being reunified. Notice verse 9 back in our text. Keep yourself in Joel because that one's hard to find, but go back to uh, Ezekiel again. And uh, look at uh, 37 verse uh, 9. Okay, I my things, so I better, there we go. Uh, verse 9, the Bible says this, it says, Then he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say unto the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, come from the, the four winds. Folks, what's he talking about there? Think about this, how many directions can the wind blow? North, south, east, west, okay? The four winds, he's talking about, I have scattered you to the winds, now I'm going to recollect you from the winds, okay? If you know the history of Israel, and we talked about it a little bit Sunday night, 
But early on, they came from Africa, and they came from Russia, and, and they came from Ethiopia, and they came from the United States. And even today, uh, Israel, I don't know if you know this, but anti-Semitism is on the rise worldwide again. Part of it is because of Muslim influence and other things like that. But uh, if you will, um, uh, they're, they're starting to leave these places where they're unwelcome, or maybe there's some call or there's some draw to them. And literally, Jews are coming from all over the globe to come to Israel. How many of you all know this also, that this war has caused a lot of them to come back home? A lot of them have come back home. And so is God doing something here? Very clearly he's doing something here. He's regathering. He's rebuilding. And, and so he's regathering. He's reunifying. Okay. Uh, Jews that don't live in Israel are called the diaspora. The word diaspora literally means scattered. And you remember what God said? If you turn to idols, if you don't obey me, I'm going to scatter you. And he did. He scattered them to all the nations, okay? He scattered them out, and now he's redrawing them back. They're not going to be called the scattered anymore. They're going to be called uh, the regathered, if you will, okay? And so we see that, that they were re they're being regathered. They're being reunified. They're being restored to a position of prominence. It, look what the Bible says in verse 10, okay? Now... You know, all these people who attack Israel have access to this book. <laughs> you know, the Bible talks about Jerusalem being the apple of God's eye. Would y'all mind if I poked you in the apple of your eye? I'm not, you're not going to let me do it. I come up to you and I get close to your face. You're like, that's your pupil. You're not going to let me poke you in your pupil. Meaning that if you attack Israel, God's got his full attention on you. Y'all understand that? And so notice what the Bible says in verse 10 concerning these, this, these valley of dry bones he's bringing together. They're going to become, the Bible says in verse 10, a, a great army. The Bible says, and I prophesied as he commanded uh, me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Okay? Uh, and listen, they, they're, they're going, these, these people are the genuine saved and, and those who are now got the spirit in them and, and now they become an army for God. And by the way, what's it take for a, a, an army with God's help to chase the enemy away? Well, folks, it only took 300, remember? Okay, it only took 300, okay? 33,000 showed up. He says, too many. 20,000 went home, too many. Okay, amen. Got it down to 300, he says, now I can show myself mighty on your behalf. Amen? Uh, listen, it's, 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 it's coming back uh, to a position of great prominence, Israel is. They're going to have a victorious army. And ultimately, Christ, their Messiah and their King, is going to give them the victory. Uh, keep your place here, but go to Revelation chapter 12. I want you to see this. Revelation chapter 12. And look at... Uh, Look at verse 5. And the Bible says, And she brought forth a man-child. This is talking about Israel. Okay, this is talking about the nation of Israel. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. By the way, has that been fulfilled? Yeah. Listen, has Jesus ascended? Amen. And he's going to come, and he's going to rule with a rod of iron. He just had, he's not doing it yet, but he's telling you he's, that's who he is. And uh, we'll look at that more here in a second. Go to chapter 20 and look at verse 4. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4. 
The Bible says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, which was not, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Help me for a second. Did you catch that at the beginning? The Bible says that these were the ones who were martyred. And the Bible says they are going to live for a thousand years and reign with Jesus. Can both things be true? I'm not asking a trick question, guys. Y'all believe in the resurrection? Uh, Y'all hoping to be resurrected someday? Amen. Okay. And so if you will, the Bible says that the 144,000, that's who it's talking about, who are martyred because they refuse to take the mark of the beast, they're going to be martyred. They're going to be killed. They're going to be hunted down. Amen. They're going to be killed. All right. But the Bible says they are going to rule with Christ for a thousand years. Amen. Look at verse 5. The Bible says further, it says, uh, and the rest of the dead, what? But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. By the way, he's talking about only the redeemed are resurrected. The ones who are going to the lake of fire aren't. Y'all see that? It's important here in a second. Why? Because they're going to be revived as a nation. Folks, they're in Israel today, and they call themselves Israel, but they are not the nation of Israel. You know why I know that? Let me ask you a question. What's the requirement for a person to be a church member? First requirement, most important. Got to be saved. Got to be born again. Right? What's it take for a person to be in the nation of Israel? You got to be saved. You got to be born again. Amen. Go to the book of Hosea. You'll see this. Go to the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 6 is where we're going. Hosea chapter 6. And uh, let's look at verse 1. The Bible says, Come and let us return unto the Lord. He's talking about Israel, guys. The Bible says, For he hath torn, and he, he will heal us. Look, he's, he's, he's hit us with the rod. He's scattered us to the winds. He's disciplined us like a child. Amen? That's, that's all implicit in this, this, this word here. It says, he, he will heal us. He has smitten, and he will bind us up. Folks, binding up is bandaging. It's, it's treating the wound. Y'all understand that? That's what that means. After two days he will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Come on now, say that. He, we shall live in his sight. If you want to do an interesting Bible study, study that verse. Hosea chapter 6 and verse 2 is, a, is an exceedingly interesting promise to the nation of Israel, okay? Now, I'm not going to make too much of this, but you make of it what you want, okay? But the Bible says after two days, they're going to live again, okay? And so if you will, uh, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years as a day, okay? Well, how long has it been since they crucified Christ? Folks, it's nearly been 2,000 years to the year. Okay, we're in 2023, and he was crucified in 33. Okay, that makes sense? Okay, or 30, anyhow, whatever the dates are. You guys all with me? And so what he's saying is, nation of Israel, they're going to be spiritually dead, dry bones, 
Amen? And then he's going to have the time of tribulation. Those who are going to be saved are going to be saved. And then he's going to gather all Israel from all time to come and to rule and reign with him during the millennium. Praise the Lord. Two days they're going to be dead. One day they're going to live and be alive again. And folks, I'm just telling you, the nation of Israel put all these things together. He's saying the nation of Israel, all the nation of Israel for all time. Y'all with me? Why, why is that important? Well, let's talk about that. We'll, get, we'll look at that here. Let me see where I am here. Yeah, that's exactly where I am. Go to Revelation chapter 19, please. I want you to see something. Who's going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Or who's going to be the honored guest? The church. Did I say Revelation 19? Good, that's where we're going. Yeah, Revelation 19. Revelation chapter 19, look at verse 6. The Bible says, And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. By the way, the Jews are looking for a king to sit on the throne, and this right there says the king sitting on the throne. Okay, it's about to. Okay, it's about to. And the Bible says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. By the way, there's a wife now because they've come together in marriage. You guys understand that? What are we today? We're the church. We are the bride of Christ, the virgin bride of Christ. That's significant. It's also important. But which church is the church? <laughs> this, this isn't the nervous tension that it would have been a few years ago. <laughs> which church? Is this a church? We better hope so. Is it important to be a member of this church? Is it? What's it take to be a member of this church? Got to be saved. Get a scriptural baptism. Agreed? Okay, so you gotta have you gotta be saved, you gotta be scripturally baptized. There's a third element. What do you gotta be to be a member of this church? You gotta be in good standing, meaning not in church discipline. Okay? And I will tell you this the, the modern church today puts very little emphasis on baptism and church membership. The reason for that is is the way that they're doing the work of the church. It's more marketing and, and programs and different things like that. Folks, how are we supposed to build the church? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which are our command to you. And so God says, I want you to build my church by getting them saved, getting them baptized, getting them educated, and getting them out there to do it again. Is that what we're supposed to be doing? Okay. And so if you will, um, are you a church member? Well, am I saved? Am I scriptural baptism? Am I in good standing? Amen? Okay. And the sad thing is, is we live in a day today where church membership has become less and less and less important. Okay? For any number of reasons. Can I say that there's going to come a day they're going to regret that? Do you all understand? Why? Because the Bible says here very clearly that the church is going to be not just the bride, but the wife. How many churches are there? How many churches can you be a member of? Okay. But 
if there's hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of churches, even today, which one's the church? Let me make it harder for you. The churches in the 1950s, were those churches? I mean, let's assume the churches in the 1950s were churches. How many of y'all were members of those churches? Oh, some of you are going to have to raise your hand here. <laughs> okay. Uh, and you said, well, I'm not a member of that church. Yeah, but get a hold of this. You are a member of the church, the bride of Christ. This is going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And all of us are going to be alive, and all of us are going to be there, and all of us are going to be in the church. Is it blowing your mind just a little bit? Well, get a hold of this. All Israel, from all time, is going to be alive and reigning with Christ during the millennium. Do you see it? Is that what he says? I've shown you the verses. You've already seen the verses, okay? And you're saying, well, how could that be? How could that be? I, don't, I, I tell you how it could be. God. Amen. Can God resurrect us? Amen. Amen. And has God made some promises to Israel that they have never seen? Yeah. Has God made some promises to us we've never seen? Amen. Absolutely. And are we going to have to be alive and assembled to appreciate them the way that God gave them to us? Yeah, to be an assembly, you got to assemble. I'm sorry, I want to amen and run around a little bit. I'm sorry, I'm excited about that. You know, here's the whole point. He literally says this, and I've shown you the verses, if you want to go back and study them for yourself. All of Israel is going to reign with Christ in the kingdom that he promised them. You know, he promised us, he promised us to assemble. We've yet to do it. We've yet to do it. Amen? Matter of fact, the Bible says, remember where he talks about that parable? Uh, it's in Matthew 23, I believe it is, where he goes out at the beginning of the day and says, I'll give you a penny to work for me. And then he goes out three hours later, I'll give you a penny to work for me. And then he goes out three hours later, he says, I'll give you a penny to work for me. And, uh, or he says, go and I'll, and I'll pay you. Okay? And then he goes at the very next to last hour, the 11th hour. He goes out and he says, go and, and I'll, I'll, I'll do right by you. Okay, I'm paraphrasing here, amen. And you remember he starts with the last and he gives them a penny. Right? And then he goes to them who's only worked four hours or three hours. <laughs> right? And then he goes to those who've borne the burden of the whole day. And supposing that they're going to receive more, he gives them a penny. And they're like, that don't seem fair. And he essentially says this, you're mad at me because I was good to them? You're mad at And he says, the first shall be last and last shall be first. And it's one of the most difficult phrases in the Bible to understand. It really is. If anybody can explain it to me, I'm just telling you, at looking at this, in some sense, the last shall be first, the first shall be last, is that whole thing where he finally brings everybody together. Amen? And by the way, I think that's when the, the ladies who have been faithful to be good wives and mothers and grandmas and ministers in the church, maybe even widows, because they lost their husband to the service of the Lord, maybe the prayer warriors that you don't even know about, and God says, come here. We get to meet all those wonderful people someday. 
And we get to enjoy the fellowship of the assembly of God's believers in Jesus Christ. What a glorious day. Amen. I'm just telling you, it's good to just step back and, and meditate on that. Say, so you're making all that up. I'm just equating it with God promised to Israel. All of Israel is going to be alive in the millennium when Jesus Christ sits on the throne and reigns as king, as David. Go, if you will, to the book of Luke. I'll show you that. Go to the book of Luke. Uh, I might have got ahead of myself here. Luke chapter 1, verse 32. I'll show it to you, and then I'll head back. Luke chapter 1, verse 32. The Bible says this. It says, uh, it says uh, And he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Amen? And folks, that's what Israel's been waiting for. They've been waiting for Jesus, the son of David, to be sitting on the throne and enjoy their time as the head of all nations. And folks, God is going to keep his word. Praise God. I don't know about you. If he keeps his word to that group of people, think about the wonderful blessing. Now, here's the implication of all that. Would to God people today understood the importance of being in submission, in subjection, in membership, an, to, I want to say independent fundamental, uh, sorry, <laughs> to one of the Lord's churches. Yeah. Amen? To one of the Lord's churches. Uh, why? Because there's going to be a tremendous reward someday. Now listen, there's, it's going to be nice to have guests, and you're going to be wonderful to be guests, but I don't know about you, you're also probably going to have a feeling of being left out. You say, well, no, no, everybody's going to be there. Folks, get a hold of this. God promised a kingdom to Israel. He's going to give a kingdom to Israel. He promised a wedding supper to the church, and he's going to give a wedding supper to the church. Amen. Okay? These things are important. God wanted to make them important. Okay? And so we see the Valley of Dry Bones. Then we see, if you will, the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Go, go to Joel chapter 3 now. And I really, really, really encourage you to go back and read this chapter for yourself. Okay? Because Ezekiel 37 talks about the Valley of Dry Bones, and... Uh, the Valley of Jehoshaphat is in verse 2 of chapter 3. The Bible says, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down to the Valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Now, notice what he's saying. He's saying, I'm getting ready to judge all the nations, the ones that scattered Israel. Okay? You know, I think about this. Germany paid for World War I. Unfortunately, it caused World War II. Okay? If you, if, you, if you know your history, that's a true statement. Okay? But how has Germany paid for World War II? I'm not trying to say too much, but some people believe that Ezekiel 38 and 39, when we get there, that one of the nations coming down to take a spoil is from Germany. And I'm not saying it is or isn't. I'm just saying this. God hadn't forgot what Germany did. God hadn't forgot what Iran's doing. God hasn't forgot how the nations turned their back on Jews who wouldn't let them come to their countries and would rather let them die knowing they were being executed in Germany. God hadn't forgot that. Amen. And he's going to come, and he is going to judge the nations. Did you know that's what the name Jehoshaphat means? 
the Lord is judge. The Lord is judge. And so it's not talking about the, uh, anything other than the Lord is judge, and he's coming, and he is going to judge. You know, some people have forgotten that we need to have a fear of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And he is going to remember everything that Jesus didn't pay for. I'm going to say that again. He's going to remember everything that Jesus didn't grace you for. Because he paid for all the sins. But you realize there's a lot of people who are rejecting the payment. Well, you won't pay for me. Okay. Well, then payday someday. Jehoshaphat. The valley of Jehoshaphat. Do you all get it? The valley of Jehoshaphat. And so he's going to, not only he's going to judge the nations, he's going to judge unbelieving Israel. And then the judge pronounces a sentence. Look what it says in verse 12. In, in Joel chapter 3 and verse 12, the Bible says, Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about you. And folks, if you've read uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39, that's talks about Gog and Magog and all the nations around coming and surrounding Jerusalem and everything. And even in the end days, it talks about all the nations coming against Jerusalem when Jesus is sitting on the throne. Listen, God's going to judge them. Amen? And he pronounces uh, their doom, if you will. You know, think about this. What does judgment do? Judgment separates the believing from the unbelieving. Now talk to me for a second. I've got notes that I could preach for a couple hours. Okay, but I don't want to. I don't want to camp on something you already understand, and I don't want to blast through something that we need to dwell with. How many judgments are facing us uh, from this point on? Let's say this: one of the judgments took place on the cross of Calvary. Y'all with me? Praise God! It is finished. That sin's judged. Amen. <laughs> okay. What other judgment is awaiting us? What's the next judgment? The judgment seat of Christ. Exact is it, it, if there's three, and I'm telling you, there's three judgments. That would be the second one. Okay? What's the last one? What's the last judgment? Great white throne. Who's going to be at the great white throne judgment? Only lost people. True? Who's going to be at the judgment seat of Christ? only save people. Could you turn with me to Matthew chapter 25? Because this is actually the next judgment that's awaiting us. And we see that it's the valley of decision. We'll see that here in a moment. The valley of Jehoshaphat is where the judge comes, okay? And in Matthew chapter 25, it talks about the end of that period of time, what's going to take place. Matthew chapter 25, look at verse 31. The Bible says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, by the way, is the rapture when Jesus comes in his glory? No, that's when he comes for his own. He comes for the church, or he comes for, he comes for believers before the, before the tribulation begins, okay? So when is his second coming? It's not a trick question, guys. When's his second coming? See it? The end of the tribulation. So would that be after Armageddon and after the Valley of Jehoshaphat and after, I'm going to tell you about the, come on now, you all understand that? 
after he's judged all the nations and he uses war to do it, okay, then those who are still alive, and folks, have you ever, have you ever done the math on how many people die during the tribulation? Can I do some math with you? The answer is two-thirds of all of humanity. So we got eight million people on earth right now. Two-thirds is five and a half, five and three-quarter billion people. How many of y'all, if that many people died, God might have your attention? And yet at the end of that, there's still going to be unbelievers. Can you imagine? Okay? So, knowing that, remembering that, Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 again, the Bible says uh, he's going to sit on his throne in glory. And then verse 32, the Bible says, and before him shall be gathered, what's the Bible say? All nations. That's talking about Israel too. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Okay? You say, well, the sheep are Israel and the goats are the nations. No, they're not. The sheep are the redeemed and the goats are the condemned. Okay? What condemns or redeems a person, folks? Salvation by faith in the one who's been <laughs> judging them. You all understand? And it comes to the end of the tribulation, and everybody who's left alive, it's literally going to be this. I'm sorry you're sitting there, son. Goat. <laughs> Actually, goats go over there. No, you don't have to get up. <laughs> goat. Sheep, goat, sheep, goat, 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 sheep, 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 goat, goat. You all understand? And all the goats are going to end up over here, and all the sheep. And then he says, he says, sheep, enter into my kingdom. Amen? Is that what Israel's been looking forward to? Enter into my kingdom. Amen? And I believe that's when not only those who survived the tribulation, but then all of Israel. The Bible talks about them resurrecting and, and coming and being a part of that kingdom. Amen. And all of them will enter in. And then, by the way, it's not just Israel. It's all believers. And so there's going to be some believing Americans and some believing Germans and some believing Russians and some believing, you all with me? They get to come in too. But then, just if you read to the end, run out of time. The goats, they're, they're cast over here, okay? Why? Well, they're going to hell, okay? Why? Because after all of that, they still didn't believe. And folks, get a hold of this. They saw men miraculously resurrected. Does the Bible say the whole world sees the two witnesses resurrect? And they heard the gospel the everlasting gospel from angels saying, you're running out of time. And they ran under rocks and asked for rocks to fall on them rather than falling before a merciful God. Amen? Again, nobody in hell is ever going to say, well, I didn't have a fair chance. <laughs> it's kind of like Moses and Pharaoh. What more could I have done to have gotten your attention, sir? Amen? And he takes and 
By the way, a lot of people get very confused with that judgment in Matthew chapter 25. That is not, that is not a, a rewards judgment seat of Christ. It is not a, uh, it is not a ultimate punishment because they're cast into hell, not into the lake of fire. Okay? And so, if you will, uh, that is the valley of judgment, the valley of judgment, okay? And, uh, and then you have the valley of decision. Go back, to, uh, go back to Joel chapter 3. We'll hit this real fast. But look at verse 14. This is what he calls it here. In verse 14, the Bible says, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Okay? Well, think about it. What's the whole purpose for Armageddon, ultimately? Choose. Choose. Amen? Bible talks about it's the valley of Jehoshaphat. It's the valley of judgment. It's the valley of decision. Make your choice. Amen? Again, in verse 15, the Bible says this, The sun and the moon shall be darkened. The stars shall withdraw their shining. And I don't know about you. Any of you all afraid of the dark? Nobody wants to raise your hand. I was trying to help Daniel yesterday, and he didn't know I was coming over. It was pitch black, and he had a headlamp on, and all he could hear me doing was going, Hey, where are you? Where are you? And I hear this nervous voice, Who are you? <laughs> and I was like, It's me, it's me. <laughs> and so, uh, and we had lights. Folks, the Bible says that the, the thing that happened in, in Egypt was a darkness that could be felt. Folks, the Bible says here, God turn, turns off the sun, the moon, and the stars. You think it's dark? I think it's dark. And I got to tell you something. I, I, I don't like being afraid, but I think I'd be afraid of that. I think I'd be afraid of that, just utter darkness. Amen? It, folks, get a hold of it. Don't you know that people are going to start remembering their Bible about that point? Hey, didn't he do this in Egypt? I just think he will. Verse 16, the Bible says, The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. You see that? He said, listen, there's still hope. There's still hope. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord... And folks, it applies now, it applies then, okay? Uh, the Bible says in verses 1 and 2 that they're going to be led captive here, okay? Um, in Ephesians chapter, um, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, the Bible says that Jesus led captivity captive. You guys remember what that meant? That meant he took everybody in Abraham's bosom, paradise, and he took them to heaven. Okay, because what it means is people were taken captive away from where they wanted to be, and they're being returned home. Okay, and so if you will, for a Christian or any believer to be led captivity captive is to be taken from Abraham's bosom, which was a compartment in hell at the time. Why? Well, the way to heaven wasn't made yet. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me. Well, folks, until he pays the price, they can't go be with the Father. But listen, don't you know they wanted to be with the Father that whole time? And so the Bible says that when he resurrected, he led captivity captive. He took all those people to heaven to present them to the Father in heaven. Amen. 
That same phrase is used concerning the children of Israel when they're led back into the land. Because they all, what did they want from Jesus, remember? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's the thief on the cross. How much theology do you think he knew? And he's saying, would you just remember me when you come into your kingdom? Because that's what we're looking for. Son of David, have mercy on us. Did they understand? That's what they were crying out for. That's what they were longing for. And God says, it's finally here. Boom. At the end of Armageddon, they get to go. And they get to have their captivity returned to the place where they want to be in the promised land with the king reigning over them. Amen. Last of all, I, I'm, I'm out of time. It's the valley next to Armageddon. Okay? Armageddon, the word Ar is the word Har in, in Hebrew. And so Har Megiddo is the mountain or Mount Megiddo. Okay? And we've been looking at the valley. Okay? Well, it's interesting that we don't really associate this last battle with a valley. We associate it with a mountain. Armageddon is a mountain. But folks, the mountain's right next to a valley. You all understand that. So in a sense, he talks about the valley, the valley, the valley. Which valley? The one next to Armageddon. Guys understand? And so if you want the notes, I got a little map right here. It's, uh, it's in Israel. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what it is. I brought this on purpose. This is a relief map. If you guys know what a relief map is, it has the geography of, of Israel here. And Armageddon, uh, from what I can see, is right here, the valley, this valley of decision, okay? And so it's by the Sea of Galilee. Oh, excuse me. Is that right? Yeah, the Sea of Galilee, right? And then, so just come down here, and then there's a little valley. You can feel it, and you can see it. Anybody wants to come up, you can take. But that's the valley of decision. That's, that's right around Armageddon, and your map will show you a little bit closer where uh, Armageddon is. Well, what's the point? What's the point? Uh, I, I got other thoughts, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it, folks. If you'll read Joel three, you're gonna see things in there that talk about the geography of the last day's battle. And one of the things it talks about, it talks about the Philistines, Gaza Strip, because it talks about literally. And then it talks about Tyre and Sidon. That's Lebanon, folks. Tyre and Sidon. What's in the news this week? The Gaza Strip and Lebanon. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that this is the fulfillment of that. But I'm telling you this. Uh, we're starting to play along these lines. And these things are popping out. These things are jumping out. You know, the Bible tells us to be like a thief, watching like a thief in the night. Can I just tell you this? How much more does he need to do to get our attention? He's trying to get Israel's attention, but folks, we know better. We know Jesus Christ is our Savior. Amen? And we know what God would have us to do. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to open your word. We thank you for the, just the confidence that we have. That